Hear the word of God from a selection of passages showing how Jesus, the eternal son, is our peace. From Isaiah 9 and 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From Ephesians 2, 14 and 17, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. From Luke 2:14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. From Romans chapter five, one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with our God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. From John 16 and 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. From Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God, which surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And last, from Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. This is the word of God. Good morning, Waypoint. Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. Happy to see you. Hopefully nobody came at 9 or 11, which are our typical service times. But if you did, extra fellowship time. I guess if you were coming at the 11, you're not here yet. Um, <laughs> but Merry Christmas to you guys all. I'm excited to be up here with you. I love Christmas, the Christmas season. And I love talking about the Bible. So today is a good day for me. Um, we, we had some traditions growing up in our family around Christmas. I'm sure you guys too, too. I'll share one, you know, just as a little way of introduction. Every Christmas Eve, so I have a twin brother, Brandon. He's not identical. I know you were going to ask. And then I have an older brother named CJ, who's three years older. And every Christmas Eve, we'd all sleep in the same room. We'd bring, like, books and games and cards and whatnot. Because kind of the logic was, well, none of us are actually going to sleep tonight. You know, we're just going to be excited about Christmas, so we might as well just do it together, right? So we would all go in the same room and, you know, just kind of have a nice little sibling bonding time. But then as we got to middle school, we all started playing instruments. We were in the band. I don't know if Greg Carpenter's here this morning. He's a middle school band director. But anyway, my brother played the saxophone. Twin brother played the trumpet. I played the snare drum. Not very well, which is why you've never seen me in the cage, okay? <laughs> But we decided, because you know, we as kids, we wanted to get up early. We wanted to do the presents right. But my parents threw the line in the sand at 6 a.m. They said, can't be before 6 a.m. At 6 a.m., you know, I guess, you know, we can, we can start the process or whatever. So at 6 a.m. when we were in middle school, we said, hey, we got an idea. We all know music now, right? And so we all went in there and just, I don't even think we played the song. You know, I think the plan was everyone just play as loud as you can as soon as it gets to six. And so we went into my parents' room and just belted it out. 
Um, and it was great. And we did that for, honestly, in the next couple of years. And my parents just kind of knew it was coming. They knew, all right, around six, there's going to be a horrible noise. But that means it's Christmas, right? Um, so that was a tradition we had in my family growing up. And a word I don't think my parents would have used to describe, particularly the first time we did it, because it was a surprise, was peace. Okay, you see how I connected it? So what we're talking about this morning is peace, okay? I'm here, obviously, in the morning service, kind of wrapping up our Advent series, and particularly with the different words that we have around Advent of love, hope, joy, and peace. Later on in our afternoon service, we're going to light the the Christ candle, the one in the middle, talk about Jesus' birth and coming. But today we're focusing on peace, and kind of as we've been going through the Advent series, we've kind of looked at it through the lens of the Trinity, and today we're going to look at it through, obviously, fitting the lens of the Son, Jesus the Son, His connection to peace. So I'll ask you the question, what do you think of, it's, it's not, uh, don't respond. I was, what is that, rhetorical? It's not rhetorical. Don't, don't say anything. But um, when you hear peace, what do you think of? Right, because I imagine many of us, we probably define it a little bit differently. Right, some of us, when we hear peace, we might think something far away. Right, we think about conflicts overseas and other places or things going on elsewhere. And certainly that's, that's rational and that makes sense and that's absolutely under the umbrella of peace. Some of us think about things going on here, right? Things going on in our communities, in our world, and we think we need peace here. In my stage of life, we have a three-and-a-half-year-old and a two-year-old. So when I think peace, honestly, I think there's just no screaming at my house, right? There's actually sharing that's happening. Um, so that, that's what I think of when I think of peace. But it's interesting because, again, around this time, it doesn't matter if you hold the Christian worldview. It doesn't matter, honestly, kind of you know, where you line up politically or all these things, many people would say, sure, peace, right? It's, it's, that, that's something we can agree on. That's, that's something we want now. Right? There's bags you can get at the store, and they just have the word peace on them, right? Because, again, it's like, oh, yeah, everyone's on board with peace, especially around the holidays. But, again, what does that word mean, right? As Christians, we sing songs, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And some of us, if we're honest, it's been a hard year. And you would say, peace on earth, sure, we talk about it, you know, as the year kind of wraps up, but it's just not possible. It's not going to happen. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is, what is that peace? How does it connect to Jesus? So here's the big idea I want you to take away this morning, the main point of the sermon. Our peace is from the sun, not our surroundings. Okay? That's the main thrust as we go through everything. I kind of want you to filter through that lens. As a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, our peace is from him, the Son, not our surroundings. So, Miss Ruby had a lot of these read. Thank you, Miss Ruby. But Jesus, the Son, is prophesied about in Isaiah 9, chapter 6. Very famous kind of Christmassy passage. But the last kind of title he's given is Prince of Peace. Paul says in Ephesians 2.14, he himself is our peace. And then he says later on in verse 17 that Jesus, who is our peace, he came to preach peace to those who are near, those who are far off. So even just from those three verses alone, the connection between peace and the Son, well, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
He is our peace, and he wants to tell other people about that peace. He wants to give that peace to other people. You could maybe summarize that as that was his ministry was to preach peace. Right? Luke 2.14, uh, again, a very kind of famous Christmassy passage. Glory to God on in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. So again, we ought to define this word peace well because it seems pretty important if Jesus is our peace. So that word peace in the Hebrew, the language the Old Testament primarily uses, is shalom. Many of you probably know that. One article I found described it this way. It's really good. The most comprehensive description of shalom is a cosmic order ordained by God through creation and established with God's people in the covenant. In this cosmic order, each part finds its meaning and function as it conforms to God's purpose. Shalom describes the realm where chaos is not allowed to enter. I love that. Chaos being understood as sickness, war, social strife, or the violation of the covenant. Another article put it this way. The concept of peace in the Old Testament, or shalom, primarily refers to wholeness, total health, total welfare. It covers the sum total of God's blessings to a person who belongs to the covenant community. So even just from the Old Testament, peace, shalom, it represents this idea of wholeness, completeness, things working as they were intended to work, flourishing. Again, chaos not being allowed to enter. There's order and right design under God's provision. The Bible Project had a video on what the word peace is. It was sent out in our uh, devotional this past week. They described it as peace is not just the absence of war, which many of us would probably think of, but the presence of something better in its place. Again, there's, there's flourishing. This is the way God intended it. This is the way God designed it. It's not just fighting. It's actually harmony. It's actually unity. It's actually what it was intended to be. And as a verb, to shalom something meant to restore something or to make something whole. So the example that they used, which was excellent, was in Old Testament kind of agricultural society. If, you know, let's say I had an animal and it destroyed a crop of yours, to shalom it, meant that, well, first I needed to pay you because now your wages are incomplete. They're not whole. And I needed to make that complete. But it also meant that I needed to replant that crop because I needed to mend what had been broken. To shalom it wasn't just, sorry that my animal did that. We good, peace, you know. It was, no, like I need to make complete that which I broke. I need to mend the thing that I messed up. So shalom, it carries this weight of, it's not just lip service, it's action. It's making complete what was wrong. So how does the sun play a part in this? Well, we can kind of divide it up into two lenses. We can think through that there is a present peace that the sun gives us. And there's also a future peace that he promises us. So for present peace, we need to we can kind of think about it through two lens, through the lens of kind of our vertical relationship with God, our relationship with our creator, and then also our horizontal relationship or our relationship with others, with his creation, with our world, with our life. So to begin, the vertical relationship with the father, we need to acknowledge that we need shalom. 
meaning we need peace, meaning things aren't working as they were intended to work. Because the Bible would say that we were created by God for God, but that our sin has separated us from him. That he is a holy God and has made us for a relationship with him. That's where we're going to find the most hope, the most life, the most joy is in the right design, the right order of a relationship with him. But our sin has separated us. We need shalom. We need to be restored back. We need to be made complete. We need to live as we were designed to be in fellowship with him, but we can't do it. Our sin has made that utterly impossible. This is where the Son, Jesus, comes in. He is the shalom that restores us back to God. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus restores us. He makes us whole in that through his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, we can now live as we were designed to live. We could spend our entire lives trying to answer the questions that plague our souls. Why am I here? Do I matter? Is this it? Just get a job? Maybe have a family like, is this it? Or we can look to the sun and understand that if we answer these questions with anything apart from him, however we answer it, it's going to be empty. It's going to be fleeting. But if we live as we were designed to live in relationship with God, that's when we're going to be whole. That's when we're going to be complete. This is the famous analogy that's been used of that we were created with a God-sized hole in our heart. And Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection is the only way that that can be filled. So really, when you think about it, it's a little ironic, is it not, that our peace, well, how does it come? It comes through a violent death. That's how it's come. That's how it's accomplished. Through a lamb being slaughtered, him offering his life in exchange for ours. That's how you and I can have peace. That's how we can have shalom. But a misconception we can have about this peace, again, is, okay, well, so are you just saying, like, no hardships are ever going to come, everything's always going to work out, you know, if I just sign up to follow Jesus, two thumbs up? Well, that's not how Jesus defined it. So again, this is now kind of our, like, horizontal peace. What does our life look like with our relationship with others, our relationship with work, our relationship with the creation that God's given us. If we can understand that Jesus gives us the vertical peace, the shalom with God that you and I cannot have, again, what does that now mean for our life? Well, he said, John 16, verse 33, right? We had it read. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And all God's people said in the sentence. But Jesus keeps on going. Right? And he says, in this world you will have trouble. Just confusing in our minds. You just said you're giving peace. Now, now you're promising that trouble is going to come. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So obviously the peace that Jesus is offering, this horizontal peace, it's not one that's devoid of problems. It's not one that's ignorant to the realities that life is hard and is challenging. 
Paul mentions Philippians 4, 7, this idea that there's a peace that surpasses understanding. I love that. Because again, it's this idea of if you don't have the Christian worldview, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't understand that he is our peace, it's not in our surroundings, it's in the sun. Paul's saying it's not going to make sense because everyone else is going to look to their surroundings and going to go, I don't have control over my surroundings. I don't have peace. And Christians, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, we can go, I don't have any control of my surroundings, but I have peace because I know who's in control of my surroundings. It's in the sun. And Paul says, that doesn't make sense. It surpasses understanding. Particularly if you don't hold the Christian worldview. You, you will not grasp this. So this is a peace beyond circumstances, beyond surroundings. So this present peace we can have, again, it's this kind of vertical. We can have shalom with God. We can live as we were designed to live. We can be whole. We can be complete. But there's also a horizontal peace that he offers us despite our surroundings. And I know for me, I'm a very practical person, very kind of, you know, Google Calendar type A kind of guy. And so even, you know, as I'm preparing this sermon, and I know what some of you may be thinking is like, okay, this is kind of in the clouds, right? We're just talking about peace and, okay, it's in the sun. But what does that mean for me, you know, Tuesday at 9.33 in the morning? You know, that's, that's kind of what I think about when I hear sermons. And this is, this is a challenging one, right? Because it is, again, it doesn't mean everything's just going to be okay. Because I know for me, I, I can equate peace to control. Okay, I don't know if anybody can relate to me on that. But I can think, well, if I just have a good day at work, you know, things with my wife are good, things with my kids are good. If, you know, my, all my investments are going up and to the right, you know, if everything's just going good, I have peace, right? Everything's good. And honestly, again, for me, it's really, when I boil down to it, it's tied to control. It's do I feel like I have control over this situation? And if I do, I have this false sense of, well, I guess I have peace. And I don't know about you, but maybe even if my present is going good, like if I feel like, yeah, things are, things are going good right now, if you ask me now, I can get concerned about the future. Don't know of anybody else. So even if I could look at my present surroundings and go, feel pretty good, feel like I have peace. Then I start getting in my head going, well, what about next year? What about my kids? Are we making the right choices for them? And I I can start thinking about all these things. And then I get anxious about the future, right? And then I start to think I don't have peace because I don't know if anyone would say this, but I don't think we can have total control over our lives, right? So this kind of idea of, oh, well, if I can just be in control, I'll have peace, which is kind of just the narrative that I subtly believe when I'm not living out of all the things I'm trying to encourage you to live out of right now, it's an illusion. It will never happen. We are so fragile. One phone call can change our lives. Too many of us know that story, right? Everything's going totally fine, and then the phone rings, and your life's forever different. So it's not just a connection to control. What Jesus is offering me is despite all the unknowns, despite being out of control, despite not knowing what's going to happen with this or what's going to happen with this, he offers peace. And that peace comes from trusting him 
not myself. Trusting his plans for my kids, not mine. I've heard it said, this is a quote that was really good, Jesus is the whole complete human that I was made to be, who I was designed to be, who I was created for, to be in fellowship with God, and yet fail to be. So I don't want to encourage you this morning, if you have not found peace in Jesus, you're not going to be able to answer those questions that you think about that keep you up at night. What's my purpose? Where do I find hope? The world may offer some solutions, but sadly they can be taken away very quickly. This is why the Son came. This is why Jesus came as a baby, to make you whole, to make you complete, to provide the sacrifice that enables you to live as you were designed to live. So this morning, the invitation is open. Find peace in Jesus. Have shalom with God. Live as you were designed to live. But this peace, I know what some of you may be thinking, because I thought it too. Okay, does it just mean, okay, I, I, I have peace with God, and now I just kind of, what, sit crisscross applesauce and just wait till I go to heaven? You know? Now what, right, type thing? It's a natural thought. No, as good stewards of God's creation, we have an obligation to be his image bearers. Genesis 1 will tell us that we're made in the image of God, which means we're supposed to reflect him. This is what Lawrence has talked about all the time, that the church is supposed to be the coming attraction or the trailer for God's kingdom. So the people who don't know what it means to follow Jesus ought to look at you. They ought to look at our church and they ought to go, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what heaven's going to be like. In there, those people, how they love one another, how they worship God, that's what it's going to be like. And we already covered Jesus is our peace. And he came to preach peace. So we're trying to reflect his image Hey, Ruth, if we're trying to display to the world who he is, ought we not to be one of the primary agents our world sees peace? Doesn't that make sense? If we're we're supposed to reflect who he is, if we're supposed to tell the world who he is, shouldn't we be one of the primary ways we see peace coming to our city, coming to our world? Should it not be the Christians at the front of the line? Just think for a second about all the orphanages and hospitals Christians have built through the centuries over the globe in Jesus' name. That sure, they understood we ought to preach the gospel, right? We ought to verbally tell people that they can have faith in Jesus and we need to proclaim that. But we also ought to mend what's broken here now. Make people heal now. Make families whole here now. Church, part of loving the triangle and loving the nations is asking the question, where do we see things that are broken in this world? And how can we as a body go, let's shalom it. Let's get in there. Let's mend what's broken. Not just lip service, actual action to see peace come into our world. So we're supposed to reflect him. So that's present peace. We can have 
this shalom with God because of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And we can have a peace outside of our surroundings, but that comes from him. But what about a future peace, right? Because, again, you kind of are right if at the beginning of the service you would have said, yeah, peace on earth, it's a nice to sing about, but let's be honest. Because to some degree, it's not going to happen, right? I mean, Revelation certainly does promise us that one day Jesus is coming back. He's going to make all things new, that that's happening, but that hasn't happened yet. To some degree, there's still chaos in our world, right? We need the shalom. So church, there's this reality that we have to address. That there is no guarantee that peace will happen in your life on this earth as you would want it to. There simply is not. And I would not be a good steward of God's word or any definition of a pastor if I sat up here and tried to tell you it's just all going to be okay because this is going to work out and this circumstance is going to happen and he's going to answer every prayer and you know you follow Jesus everything's going to work out church it I hope it does right I pray it does but this peace it's not just saying he's going to answer every prayer the depression may not go away I hope it does I pray it does. It may not. That strain in your family, that relationship that is just so challenging, it may not be mended. Not here on this earth in this life. I can't sit up here as a pastor and tell you it's going to happen. I would be a fool if I did. But church, remember, our peace is in the sun. It's not in our surroundings. He is the Prince of Peace who's come and offered a restoration back to the most important relationship in the world. But just because we don't see this peace fully now in our present life, it doesn't mean we believe it will never happen. Right? This is why Paul says, Romans 8, 24, for who hopes for what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Right, Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. I share that because, church, I, I know it can be discouraging. I've met with some of you. I've heard some of your stories. And you, and you have a story that goes, Ben, I need shalom and I need it now. Not in the sense of me wanting to be reconciled to, to God. I've, I've, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. But there's just this circumstance in my life. There's something going on. And I've prayed. And I've read the books on it. And I've done the Bible study on it. And I've memorized the verses I was told to memorize. And guess what? Nothing's changed. And it's disheartening. And you're tempted to go. If he's not fixing this present reality... Can I really believe what's talked about in Revelation? That he's really going to come back and make all things new? You have those thoughts. You have those doubts. And I can see why you would think that. 
But church, this is why so much of the Bible is this encouragement to not look to what is seen. Even 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We don't look to what's seen, but what's unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. Church, this is why you and I need one another. Because if you are in that space where you're going, I I know what Jesus promised, but what I'm seeing right now is just so hard for me to believe that. This is why we need each other. This is why you need to come to service. This is why you need to go to community group so that we can together go, I know it's hard. But we don't look to what's seen. We look to what's unseen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is coming back to make all things new. Do not let your present circumstances determine your theology. Meaning this, do not let what is currently happening in your life dictate what you believe to be true about God. Because again, I know some of you, you have hard things going on. Because church, what I'm trying to encourage you with is your circumstances may not change. Your surroundings may not change. But your peace doesn't have to be dictated by that. We understand right now everything may not be working as it was designed to work, right? We're not fully living in the shalom. We feel, yeah, chaos has entered, Uh uh-huh, for sure. It's here. But I love this, Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts you. Sometimes I read that verse and I'm like, you kidding me, Isaiah? Perfect peace? How do you get it? What's the secret? What's the devotional that you picked up at Barnes & Noble that got you perfect peace? What is it? It's kind of vague, but it's good because he trusts you. So, Church, this is where peace comes from. It's not from finally figuring out how to parent. It's not from finally... Your situation of work improves. It's trusting him, that he's the prince of peace, that he's in control. We're not. So Waypoint Church, hear me clearly. There is a day coming when whatever it is that's ailing you currently on this earth, it will be gone. Death and disease will be no more. There will be no sin to separate us from worshiping our God. But until then, like Isaiah Trust him. And until then, we can have peace. Because our peace is not in our surroundings. It's in the sun. The Prince of Peace is our peace. Pray with me. Father, I just pray for the people that are here at this service. God, I don't know all of them. You do. God, I pray that if there's some right now that are feeling like they need shalom, They need to be restored back to right relationship with you, God, that that would happen. That they would respond in faith to the good news of the gospel, that you have come to the earth, which we'll celebrate here in a couple hours, that you came to this earth as a baby to save us, to make us whole, to give us that relationship with you that we can never get on our own. And Lord, I pray for those who would say, 
Peace is not a word that I would use to describe my life in any way right now. God, I pray that, like Paul, they would feel this peace that surpasses understanding. It's outside of their circumstances. It's outside of their surroundings. And I pray that we as a church body would come along those who are in that spot and would say, let's together not look to what's seen, but what's unseen. Let's together trust him who is our peace. God, help us to do this. Work in a mighty way. Do what you want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.